so I found, I found it. At the bottom of a bunch of documents in the house, I found a check. And this check had never been cashed before. And I felt pretty good. I thought, it's like a bonus. It's like some money. And uh, the check wasn't for that much. It was like maybe $100. But I felt like I won the lottery. My mind was racing on all the things, like the three things that $100 would actually buy. Not much anymore. But, man, I felt like I was on top of the world. I had this, you know, this check just sitting there collecting dust that, I had, that had so much spending potential for my frivolous spending. And there it was. I could cash this beautiful thing and get this, this money. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Like maybe it was a check. Maybe it wasn't a check, but maybe, you know, you're, you know, fishing through your, you know, jeans or whatever, and you find that 20 bucks. That feels pretty good. You, know, you feel like you're kind of like, I could, I could do something with that. 20, 20 bucks. Used to buy a lot more back in the day than it does now. But, you know, it's, it's amazing. We, we, we get all excited, I think, because there's like this potential of untapped resources that suddenly we didn't know we had, and now we're pretty excited about because, again, it wasn't part of the budget or whatever. Maybe it was in the past. We just forgot about it. Now we have this bonus money, and what are we going to do with it? Yeah, potential. Untapped potential. An uncashed check. You know, the, the tragedy of that. Let me change directions for a bit. Have you ever you been working all day, and at the end of the day, you realize, I don't think I really got anything done? Anybody ever have that? I mean, you worked, you know, you put in the time, you know, and at the end of the day, you're like, I don't, I can't, you know. That happens to me sometimes in ministry, because I feel like I work all day, and then at the end of the day, I can't point to a fence. I made that, you know. It's kind of different sort of work, and maybe some of you can, can, can relate to that. But you work all day, you work, you work really hard, but you felt like I didn't get anything done. And, and the reason I think that sort of bothers us is that we want our time to matter. We want our time here on this planet to matter. You know, we, won't, we don't just want to have a carbon footprint or whatever they say. We're just going to fog a mirror. Like, at the end of the day, you know, we want, like, yeah, that we've accomplished something, that we helped somebody, that we educated somebody, that, you know, we moved the ball forward down the field just a little bit. We want that, that, that sense of accomplishment that our lives have mattered, don't we? You know, and, and, and I think we struggle with that because the, the deal is God has gifted you and me with gifts and talents, strengths, resources, and how tragic would that be if we never used them? It'd be like the tragedy of that uncashed check in the bottom of the drawer that has all that potential to do good, but it never got used. It never got cashed. It never got out there for the world to be blessed by. I don't think any of us in this room want that scenario to be true about our lives. Well, last weekend, we started a new series called I Love My Town. I'm wearing the T-shirt. I think there's like one left. There might even not even be one left now. Y'all are crazy about T-shirts around here. 
They went fast. Uh, but the point of this series was really getting us engaged in loving our town. And it's not about the streets and the buildings. It's about people because if we love God, well, God loves people. And if we're loving God, one of the big ways we do that is through loving people. And towns have people, lots of people. Our town has over 15,000 people that God would love us to love on. And so we started last weekend with this mantra, I love my town. Let me see how well we can do that today. Ready? This is audience participation. Ready? I love my town. Come on, you do better than that. Come on. I love my town. One more time. You got to beat first service. I love my town. Pretty, pretty good. Thank you. Now, why do you love your town? Right? We asked that last week. Why do, you, why do we love our town? We learned last time, if you were here, if not, you can always catch up on the podcast. But last weekend, we talked about how you know, it's easy sometimes for us to, to kind of drift toward negative things about our, our town. And really, we, we learned last week, right, complaining doesn't get anything done. So how can we work about for the good of our town? And that's what we're talking about today. Last week weekend was all about having a passion for our town because God loves our town because there's people in it. Today we're going to talk about maybe some practical ways we can change our town. Using our gifts and abilities, we would, we would cash them so that we could love our town and change our town for the good. Change our town for the good. That's today's message. So let's, let's pause for a second, take a deep breath. This is the first Sunday, uh, well it's a Sunday, first day of the week. We're going to take a deep breath. Ready? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we pause right now together. And we take a deep breath. And we remember that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is the first day of the week. We get a chance to hit the reset button. And Father, I pray that you would empower each of us to love on our town like you love our town. And to really be about change for the good. So Father, empower us for that as we lean into your scriptures and hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, last weekend we started, started this series talking about I Love My Town, and uh, Dallas has been around for about 167 years, about like that. Uh, some ups and downs to the town, some good, some bad, the ugly. Uh, but we're here for a purpose. You know, last week we talked about that. We're here for a purpose. For whatever reason, God has called us to be here. And it may not be forever. It may be for a few years. It might be for several years. In fact, uh, I think last Sunday, uh, there were at least one or two families that were born here. So they've been here for quite a while. For whatever reason God has for you to be here in your town, now I realize some people are coming in from other towns, whatever reason God has for you to be where you're at, he wants to use you to love on people, to show good, to do mercy. And so he's called you wherever you're at to bloom where you're planted, to thrive, and to try to do some, some, some good for the sake of God's love in the community that God has called you to, the, the place he's called you to. And you can't open scripture very far without seeing that God's heart is for people. God's heart is for humanity. Even as goofball as humanity is. I mean, we didn't make it out of the gate very long in Genesis before things went sideways. You know what I'm saying? It didn't take us long. You know, you give us a little bit, don't do that. We're like, why not? We do that. That's the human condition. It's like, but God, God loves us scandalously more than we could possibly imagine. Even when we're more sinful than we want to even admit. We say that a lot around here. But we realize early in scripture and all the way through from cover to cover that God's heart is for people. 
Even for people who don't necessarily even know what anything's all about. God loves people, and he loves when we love on people because he's loved them. And we're made in his image. And if we're going to say we love God, that means we need to have a heart of loving people too. As, as difficult as that might be, even people that you vote differently with, even people that you look different from, we don't get, as Christ followers, to be bigots. We don't get to be racists. We love people because God's heart is for people. And that is a little difficult, but that's what God's calling us to. And when we do that, Jesus himself said, when you show love to other people, you're showing that you're on my team. You're showing that you're one of my kids because you're loving someone. And anymore in our culture, I think when we show love and mercy, that's, that's kind of radical that we would love someone who doesn't vote like us. We'd love someone who doesn't look like us. That is a supernatural, beautiful thing God is calling each of us to do. I love our, our key text today is from Galatians. If you have a Bible or device, you can find Galatians. We'll have it up here on screen too. But Galatians 5, 6. This is kind of, in the context, it's going to sound a little weird, but hang on. It's going to say this. I'll just read it out. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working itself out through love. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by love. Faith working itself out through love. Even more than these, you know, the circumcision, uncircumcision, that's, we don't have time to unpack all that, but that, for the Old Testament and the Jewish people, that was kind of a big deal, it was a, sort of a male minor surgery that happened. It was a, it, it, there's a lot to that. But basically, that was the old way. That was the old covenant. That was the old system that Jesus came and made obsolete. That it wasn't about markings on your body or certain yes, no, and guidelines. It was about Christ's love for us now. And so what really matters now is faith working itself through love. Now, if you need more convincing, James chapter 2. You probably knew I was going to go there. James chapter 2. And he scandalously says this. Now, James was one of the interview. He was a, a close friend of Jesus, uh, probably his brother, James, one of his brothers. And he wrote this. And this is where it gets a little dicey, right? What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Jesus here, and James here is reminding us that, you know, in the Jesus movement, faith works itself out through love. Faith works through love. It's not like those things save us. Jesus saves us. That was taken care of. But when we're following Jesus, part of that is faith working itself through love. In small ways. Through small ways. Faith without works is dead. Because see, faith without works would be like this uncashed check that's just sitting in the drawer and never gets to use its potential. And you know, Jesus told parables about this. You know? 
where, where some you know, rich guy goes off and he gives some, some of his workers you know, a little bit of money and some reinvest it and make it, you know, put it to work and then one, one decides he's just going to bury it you know, and, and that wasn't good because a buried treasure is not treasure for anything. It's just buried, hoarded, not being used for good. And, and we don't want our lives to be like that. So in Christ, we get a chance to cash that check and to show love to people, faith working through love. And if you, if you look around our town, and again, you might be from a different town, that's okay. If you're looking around your town where God has placed you, there are needs around us. There are all kinds of needs. Now, what they say in Celebrate Recovery, if some of you have ever been to Celebrate Recovery, it's a great ministry to addiction. They say this over and over. We can help, but we can't fix. We can help, but we can't fix. What are some things we can help in our town? If you look around our town, we do have homeless. Now, they may not be completely visible, but there are a lot of even students, teenagers, that are, are living in unsafe homes, and so they're couch surfing. They don't show up on any kind of radar because they're couch surfing from house to house, whatever they can find safety. That's true in our town. We have people here in our town that are working poor. They don't have a living wage job and they really can't support you know, their family themselves on you know, a minimum wage sort of job. That, that is happening in our town. There's, health, there's mental health here in Dallas that is, I'm learning more and more about. There's a big issue with mental health and, and mental awareness and PTSD happening in, in our town from, from trauma and from a number of, uh, of resources there. People struggling with, with post-traumatic stress disorder. There's addictions. I'm so surprised at the addiction level in our community. Now, you may not see that right away. There is a huge addiction issue. I have a friend of mine that's a, a church, pla- uh, church planter in in Anchorage, he's a, been ministering up there for about 10 years, and he was telling me the other day that 80 to 90% of his, his ministry is to addiction. They're struggling with it in Alaska, but it's not just there. It's here. There are needs around us, folks dealing with trauma. Trauma's a big deal. There are needs here. The question is, how can we care about that? What is God calling us to do about some of that? We can't fix everything, but, but maybe there's some, some little piece that we could do. Like, what if our anger against injustice might take some real action? You know, maybe, maybe there's kids that need an advocate, people that need a voice. What is God calling us to do? Because there's needs all around us. Now, do we, do we see them? Do we look? Are we ignoring them? Those are the, those are the bigger questions. These needs that are happening, are we turning a blind eye, pretending we don't see them? Hang on to that for a second. Let me bring you to another scripture. And I love this scripture. We're going to park here for just a little bit. I realize it's in the Old Testament. It's the eyes, uh, from, from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is an amazing, uh, an amazing book, if you've never read Isaiah. But in Isaiah 58, starting with verse 10, just, just listen to this down. This is, this is amazing. I'm not making this up. This is, you can look me up here. Isaiah 58, starting with verse 10. Listen to this. If you, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then, you, you, then, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom as the noonday sun. 
and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Isn't that an amazing little passage? Two verses there, so much in there. That's like a powder keg right there of just meaning. I love that first phrase, if you pour yourself out for the hungry. Now, some of you decided to do that today a little bit. Some of you decided because if you, you really wanted to serve the poor and those who were, uh, you know, they're dealing with, you know, uh, you know, what is it, food insecurity. Food insecurity, you brought canned food for that purpose. Or you may have read what my co-worker put out on Facebook, which he didn't run by me, by the way, that if somehow we collected 150 cans of food that I would be willing to eat some of these delicious pickled beets. Now, I'm not sure what the motivation was. The jury's out for me. Was it that you wanted to see me eat this or you wanted to help those who had some food issues? Okay, I'm just going to believe that you wanted to help people with food issues. That's what I'm going to believe in my head as I open this up this week. But helping when we see a, a need. I don't realize that's, that's a small thing. I mean, bringing some canned food. Thank you for doing that. That's pretty awesome. But, but pour yourself out for the hungry. How does that work? And the desire, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Who's the afflicted in our, in our community? Who's the afflicted? Well, I feel like those who've been suffering domestic abuse, that's afflicted. Maybe, maybe a single mom whose dad's run off, you know, or, or you know, someone who, who has a spouse, you know, in jail. That feels like a bit afflicted, you know. Maybe something horrible has happened. That feels afflicted. So what would we do to satisfy the desires of the afflicted? You could probably use a shoulder to cry on, a hug, Something like that. Is there something small? What, we can't, I get it. The, the needs are so great. We can't fix everything. I know that. But what if we could just show a little bit? You know, just move the needle a little bit. We, we, I'll use a football metaphor. We might not be able to get the, we might, we might get the touchdown. We may not get the first down. But what if we could get a couple yards? We're going to get a couple more yards. How can we satisfy the desire of the afflicted? What, what, what just blows me away about this passage, and I realize I'm, I'm, I'm harping on this for a second, but there's just some phrases in here that I'm amazed by. If you pour yourself out, right, there's some if, and I realize we don't want to do the if-then all the time, right? It's not like, you know, hey, God, I did this, you owe me this. That's not what we're talking about here this morning. I don't think this passage is doing that, but it's just saying the people who are generally those who tend to pour themselves out for the hungry, and to satisfy the desires of the afflicted, there's some things that begin to happen. Did you catch that? Listen to this. Then your light, then shall your light rise in the darkness. In the New Testament, the Jesus followers were called to be a city on a hill, a light to the communities around them. 
I feel like Isaiah is saying the same thing. That when we, when we do these little things to help, that we become a light in, in, a, in dark places. And then, and then it says this. Did you catch that? Your gloom. Your gloom. Be as the noonday. I've read lots of different statistics on this. And there's many of us that may be struggling with a tough time right now. We're in a dark season. We're in a valley. Some of you struggle with clinical depression. One of the studies that I read talks about ways that they can treat depression. And yes, there are great medicines out there. But one of the things they found is that they can, if they can take someone who's suffering depression and get them serving somebody, like another, like helping somebody else out, it changes so many things for them. It's like the brain almost starts to rewire itself, which seems odd. You know, someone's you know, struggling with depression, let's put them to work. But actually what happens is when our focus gets off of us, it's like a weight is released. And isn't that interesting that the scriptures tell us that? Right? We, we can do studies now. Great, we have universities. They can do these studies and say, yep, when someone serves someone else, it helps them. It actually helps them feel better. Literally, physically feel better. And here it is. Thousands of years before modern you know, studies and surveys, here's Isaiah saying, you know, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, if you satisfy the desires of the afflicted, your light's going to rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And listen to this. The Lord will, will, will guide you continually and satisfy your desire. I remember Jesus one time saying, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Put your focus on the right spot. These things will, will be added to you. But listen to that. Your, your, your desire, he will satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. Have you ever read that before? Now, when I was a kid, there's all these commercials from the milk industry, right? Milk, it does the body. See, you can, right? Like milk is going to strengthen your bones. For some reason, humans drinking bovine milk was the answer to it all, apparently. Uh, source of calcium, I get it, okay? Don't send me emails. Yes, there's, can there's calcium in there. But I find that interesting. I don't know the... The, the, the medical thing here in the scripture that Isaiah is talking about. But the idea is you'll be strengthened. You're, you're going to shine like the noonday. Your gloom will have, be affected by stepping out and doing something for somebody else. Just those little, doesn't mean you have to solve everything. We always have to, we, we have that problem, right? Well, if I can't solve everything, I'm not going to do anything. Well, that's not helpful. What if there's one thing that we could do because if you, if you pour yourself out for the hunger, if you, if you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, your light will rise in the darkness, your gloom will be as noonday. The Lord will guide, guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I grew up on a farm. We had some, uh, some springs on our property and I just remember how refreshing that was on a hot day to, to, to be able to get to that spring and have some cold, clear water. I'm not talking about bottled Evian whatever water. This is the stuff out of the ground. Anybody ever had water straight out of the ground? 
feels good, doesn't it? It feels very primitive. I don't know. Get down on the ground, you're like, but it just feels good, that clear water. I love the imagery of this. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Why? Why? Why all this? What, what do we do? What, the kind, what, what sorts of people are we to be? Those who would see some needs, try to fill them. Doesn't mean we solve everything. I get that. But we do something. So that brings me to three big truths today. If you're taking notes, these are good. Please. I'm not just saying that. But I am just saying that. But if you're taking notes, these are, these are, these are helpful for us. Three big truths. So I realize when we're talking about this sort of subject, you know, some of us kind of sink in our seats and think, oh, there's another thing on my to-do list. Oh, Pastor Ben's asking me to do something else. I'm already, you fill in the blank, right? So busy, I can't get to these things. And I, oh, this, that problem's too big, I can't solve that. Yes, we get it. We are all busy. We, you know, I know retired people that seem, they complain to me that they're more busy now than they were when they retired. Anybody attest to that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Which really kind of depresses me, by the way, because I want to, anyway. But the idea, yes, I get it. We're all busy. We all got stuff we got to do. Here's, I think, what God is calling us to do is to make time. That means something else might have to get moved around. You know what? I don't know how else to do that. We can fill our time with all kinds of stuff. I mean, have you read the stats on how, many, how much time Americans spend watching streaming television? It's, it, like, it will depress you. And then you realize, oh, my goodness. How much time did I spend on that this past week? You know, because with these streaming shows, they never end. You notice that? You just play one. If it's, got, if it's like a TV show, it's multiple episodes. It'd just keep going, you know? Back, I remember this. When I was a kid, like, I think it was midnight. Like, TV stopped. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Yeah. TV simply stopped. Now, the young people in this room are like, that's just crazy. Oh, the inhumanity of that. The TV just literally stopped. It went to, like, white snow. <sighs> Nobody's keeping that on. But how much time? We, we have to make time is my point. We may have to, have to actually put it on the schedule. I don't think this stuff just happens. It needs to be, we talk about random acts of kindness. Uh -uh. I think what needs to happen is intentional acts of kindness. We just intentionally, we're going to do that. And there's lots of opportunities. You got someone, you came in, there's a half sheet, giving you lots of opportunities. Many of you brought food, that's awesome. We're going to talk about some more action steps that are coming up. But we can do something. We can do a little bit. So here's the three points. And you, you just might have to make some time. Here's point number one. We can't do nothing. When we see something, we can't just go, hmm, well, that's a bummer. Someone ought to do something about that. You know, if you keep driving by the same problem for two years, could be, I'm just saying, that God might actually be calling you to be the person to do something about that. You know, you keep driving by that garbage. Well, somebody ought to do that. That's just horrible. And you keep driving by it every day. At some point... Maybe we should ask ourselves, maybe we're the person that ought to be doing something about that. It's not someone else's job to love. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, it's your job. It's my job. And we can't, I get it, we can't solve everything. But we might be able to do something. Just something small. I love how many of you in this room are with me on this. I know, I know you. I know what you do. Thank you. 
Move it a little bit, just, just a little bit. We can't do nothing. Proverbs 31, many people think of Proverbs 31 as like the impossible list for every Christian woman to, to, to fill. But before we, that section happens, <laughs> I think that was the ideal woman. That we, we don't have time to go into that. But before that happens, there's some advice given here. And in, in, in chapter 31, verse 8 and 9, we're, we're actually told here some very explicit things that are very helpful. It says, speak up for those who don't have a voice. Who in our community, our towns, don't have a voice? Speak up for those who don't have a voice. Say something about it. And it says, defend the destitute. When we see something, we say something. If there's something that God's put in our way, it just might be he wants us to do something about that. Again, we can't fix everything. We can't really fix a lot of anything, but we can help. We can, we can help a little bit. So we can't do nothing. One of my favorite writers in the worship uh, music in, uh, world is a, a gal named Brooke Frazier. And she's part of the Hillsong uh, group. And I got to see her in concert in Portland and got to meet her. And uh, one of the albums that really has always affected me, she wrote several years ago, she wrote a song after she visited Rwanda. And some of you know the genocide that happened in Rwanda. It was horrible. Horrible stuff that happened. And she came back. She's from New Zealand. And she came back and she wrote this song. And the lyric in the song says, I have seen and I'm responsible. I have seen it and I'm responsible. I wish many of us could adopt that heart a little bit more. And I'm including myself. If we see a need, I never want to be that person yeah, somebody else will take care of it. If we have seen, we at least have some responsibility. Does that make sense? She saw what was going on, and she, she felt like, I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. We can't do everything. But I like what Martin Luther King Jr. said in one of his speeches, one of the last speeches that he gave. He said this, Our lives begin to end when we are silent on things that matter. Our lives begin to end when we are silent on things that matter. What are we being silent about that matters? What is an injustice we can speak to? An inequality? Whose voices are not being heard? This is where I believe the church of Christ can shine like the noonday. We can be those people. And, and maybe we're going to get a chance to tell people why. Because Jesus is so awesome. We may not get that right away. But these are things that make a huge difference. Little things that can make. We can't do nothing. That's, that's point number one. If you saw a need, maybe we need to ask, God, are you asking me to meet that need? I want to tell you about a failure that I did this week. I, uh, I had some, some fruit in my truck. And... Uh, I was in Salem running some errands, and as you know, there's several corners that have people that are asking for food and that sort of thing. And I saw this one gal, and it would have been a little difficult for me to get to her, but I could have. And then I looked at the fruit, and then some of it, I didn't really check it for worms. You know, it's fruit I picked, you know, uh, and some of it had worms, and I didn't, I didn't know. And so I, then I started thinking, well, maybe they, won't, they don't like apples. You see what's going on here, right? My mind starts to justify. 
and I, and I drove off. And that's bothered me. And I don't know if that's something that you can relate to. And I don't know if the apple was that helpful. I get that. It was small, insignificant. I mean, she, she may have just thrown it out as soon as I handed it to her. I don't know. These are things that I'm praying that, God, would you soften my heart on how to help better? Do you know that the number one thing that they need at homeless shelters is? Socks. These things right here. So, and I've done this before, and maybe this is our challenge. Maybe this is your only thing you remember today. Go to Walmart and get some warm socks. Put them in your vehicle. And when you pass by one of those corners, yes, there's stories behind it. I get it. And yes, this person may not handle what you're giving them well. I get that. But they could use some socks. And you've just done a little thing. Gloves is the other one. In fact, as a church family, a couple years ago, we did that. We blessed the homeless community here in town with gloves and socks. Something little. When we see a need, we can't do nothing. And I'm saying this to me, and I'm saying it to all of us. Does that make sense? Number two is this. A little can be a lot when we work together. A little can be a lot when we work together. Well, there's a great example right behind you. All of that food, we're kind of blessing the food bank early. But that, when we leverage things together, we can, we can accomplish more together, even the little things. There was a moment in Matthew, 30, or Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus was kind of walking through the crowds and we don't really get a lot of detail, but one of the things that the scriptures say is that he looked at the people and they were, they were harassed and helpless. They were harassed and helpless. And the scriptures say that he had a heart of compassion for those people. Heart of compassion. You know what? I think we in this room can be an answer to prayer for people. We may not even know it. We could be an answer to prayer for someone. Someone is praying for something, and we, just because we love Jesus, we do something small, we don't really think much about it. But we could be an answer to prayer. Jesus saw people, he had compassion on them. And my question is, how much compassion do you and I have for the people around us? The people that we see struggling, the people that we know have need, and we're wondering, I don't know, should I do something about that? I'm not trying to step on toes today. But this is real. Jesus has called us to love on people. And when people see us love them, they know that we're in the Jesus team. Maybe not right away, but they know something is up. I look around this room, both services, we probably have a couple hundred people. All right, so if we all would commit, maybe just this month, an hour, we're going we're gonna to do something in the community. We're going to serve somewhere for an hour. That's like 200 hours. That's more than a full-time position at the city, at the county. That's more than a full-time position at Department of Human Services. 200 hours. We could do that as a church family. Not all that's a program. Like The church is not going to do all these programs, but you have opportunities on, on, on the half sheet you have that. You could actually volunteer at the food bank. Maybe you could be the person this week that spends a half hour, an hour, sorting the food we just collected. An hour. Think about that. Leveraging our church family one hour a month, that's 200. That's 50 hours in a week. 
more than a full-time position. That's a full-time and a part-time. Think of the good we could do, and it's not going to destroy our schedule. Here's number three. Something means everything. Something means everything. And that could be something as simple as blessing someone with a birthday card that you happen to know. Maybe it's a, a, an older person that maybe doesn't have a lot of people in their, in their, in their circles of influence, in their friend circle, and you can just bless them with a, hey, happy birthday. Maybe better yet, you give them a call. These phone things, you know. You could call them. Happy birthday. I have a friend of mine that uh, is in a business, and one of the things that he does really well is uh, he has a, a really good database of birthdays and anniversaries. And we were having lunch one time, and he told me that it's amazing to him. And he's in a business. He's not like a church or a five, you know, five one. He said, it was amazing to me that when he makes that birthday call, sometimes he just has to leave a message. But that's the only person that said happy birthday to them. Man, that's a pretty easy thing. If you know of a birthday for somebody, maybe that's something you do. Because something means everything. I read this article, and I'm going to post it on Wednesday. So if you're not part of our Facebook group for Dallas Church, you need to you jump on that, because I'm going to post something Wednesday that's pretty amazing. There's like 50 ways, random ways, to just be generous and love on people. And one of the things was, and I love this, I'm going to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to do this. It said, wrap a gift, a nice gift. Wrap it. Like, I know some of the guys in here are like, well, that's not my gifting. Well, Wrap the thing, put a bow on it, and put it on your garbage can on garbage day. How often do you think garbage people get a thank you? And they have to deal with our trash every week. When's the last time you said thank you? I realize that they're paid, but I don't know. I see some of your garbage. Even if you paid me, I wouldn't want to touch it. (laughs) These people have to deal with our garbage every week. I love that idea. You just put a gift out there. Thank you. Thanks for handling my garbage. Random things. Because something means everything. Imagine being a church. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be part of a church that, that does that. That's just generous. Sometimes for no crazy reason. You know? No crazy reason. Some of you took that to heart, and last week you wrote a little note to somebody. Somebody wrote a note to say thank you, and I, you know, Jackie and I got a note. We were very thankful about that. I, I wrote a couple notes. I mailed them, and I'll tell you, one of the people that I, I mailed one to, the new fire chief, Todd. And Todd's a guy that I've known for a while. I met him in Rotary. Great guy. He was an EMT here for a while. He still is an EMT, but now he's got more responsibilities and he got the position of fire chief. And I never said, good job. I never, I never said, hey, great, that's awesome for you. Todd's a great guy. If you ever meet him, great guy. But I wrote him a note. And I just said, Todd, thank you for serving our city. Thank you for showing up when many people wouldn't want to in difficult situations. Thanks for fighting fires and putting your life on the line. Thank you for serving our community. We, we, something means everything. You have things that God has gifted you to do, and it could be a small thing. We can't fix everything. We can't solve every problem. But maybe we could do one thing. One little thing could do that. Something means everything. So number one, we can't do nothing. We see a need. We can't just, someone ought to do that. 
We, we, we can't do nothing. Number two, a little can be a lot when we work together. And number three, something means everything. Imagine being part of a church, and this is what excites me, being part of a church family that's concerned with people who are harassed and marginalized and abused and don't have a voice. And what if we could be that group of people that says, we're going to do something about that. We haven't figured it out yet, but we're going to do something about that because that matters. More than just throwing our own parties that we're concerned about people around us. Imagine speaking up for those who have no voice. This is exciting to me. I hope it excites you because I really believe that, that something does mean everything. Mark this moment today. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what thing God has put on your heart. Some of you, you feel heavy right now because you feel like God is stirring something and you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. I saw this need and maybe, Pastor Ben, maybe, maybe that's a need. I've seen it and I've driven by it. Maybe it's me that I need to do something about that. Mark this moment today. If God is stirring in your heart, what is that he's calling you to do? Mark it down. Make a big deal out of it. There's lots of ways to help. In fact, I was just listing a few things for uh, so a friend of mine the other day and just wanted to know how to plug in and help in the community. Do you know that the high school needs good working professionals and even retired people to speak into the lives of young people? I did it for several years. There's actually students that could use some mentoring. It's not going to take you hours and hours a week. It's like a half hour, 45 minutes. And the high school needs some help with students that are usually, you know, sophomores that are kind of struggling. They may have some rough home situations and they're struggling to get their work in. They're struggling with absenteeism. A healthy adult makes a huge difference. You know, there's a lot of elementary schools around here and they always need assistance in the classroom. And you know what they'd love to have? Some guys. And it's nothing against the gals. We need everybody. But something about a little guy or a little boy needs to see a healthy male adult. That's an opportunity in our town. You can do that. There's so many more. There's adopting a senior. You know, we have a lot of people in memory care at the retirement village that nobody ever visits. That could be something that God's calling you to. You can serve. We have a a, a James 2 community kitchen. I've served at it. It's two nights a week, and that's an easy thing. Maybe that's something your small group wants to do. That'd be awesome. Or maybe that you make that your small group. Serve at a couple of their locations. Here's the deal. We could use this, actually. We could use this help right now. You could cook some meals. Gather some folks around. Cook some meals in our kitchen. Lasagnas, whatever they might be. Casseroles. Got to love casseroles. And we could put them in the freezer. And so when our eldership team or our leadership team or small group leaders go make a hospital visit, we have a meal we can give them. That's really easy, and it really makes, it's a huge deal. So maybe that could be your service project. You're going to come here, you're going to fill our freezer with meals, and you're going to write with a Sharpie on top of them. 30 minutes, you know, 350 degrees, I don't even know. It shows you how much I cook, okay? Because the last thing people need is me showing up, and I'm the guy that cooked. They don't need that stress in their life. (laughs) That's something you could do. Grass cutting for people that are elder. You know, there's, we're, we're facing fall now, and there's a lot of gutters around here, and people can't get up to their gutters, even around this campus. There's so much. We see a need. Maybe God's calling you. Maybe he's tapping on your shoulder saying, what could you do about that? Why? Because it matters. And when people see our love for them, they just might suspect Jesus might be behind it. And they'll give glory to God. Because we care about that. So here's some action steps. Last week, we had notes. Some of you, who wrote notes last week? Anybody write notes? Okay, all right, it's good. 
Uh, there are more notes if you need to grab some. We have, I think, a few left. Write some notes. That's always a good thing. Could be city official. Could be someone in your family. Could be someone that's really made a difference in your life. That's a huge thing. Something means everything. Today we did the food bank. And if you forgot some food or whatever, we're going to be delivering that this week. Probably Tuesday or Wednesday. So if you forgot some, you're like, oh, that was today. Bring it back to the building. We'll, we'll add it to the mix. Um, but the hope is we're going to be under 150, so I won't have to eat these. Beautiful beets. That would be, that would be great. I noticed uh, many of you brought meat. I appreciate that. Brought some, uh, some good protein. That's good. But uh, that was this week. Let me tell you what's coming up. So the next weekend, the, uh, the city has asked us to help out Brent DeMoe, who works with uh, Polk County, I think, Human Services, and I can't remember his title. It has a huge title. Anyway, he's asked us if it would be okay if they brought a bunch of clothes from their ministry called Fill Our Homes. You may not have heard of this ministry, Fill Our Homes, but Fill Our Homes is when, say, there's been a, a fire, and so a family just kind of needs emergency help, and, uh, and it could be, you know, there's furniture needs and everything like that, but they've asked us to do something simple, and we said yes, because I think our church family can knock it out pretty quick. So next weekend, we're going to sort some clothes for them. We're going to put clothes in categories because, you know, you know that when a family's, you know, struggling and they're like just destitute, you know, it'd be great to actually have them be able to go and pick out some clothes that are sorted for their need. And so we're going to do that right here on the campus next weekend. And we're going to knock it out. In fact, people have been excited about even doing some sorting. Some of you love to sort stuff. You love spreadsheets. This is in your wheelhouse. Some of you introverts, you're like, you're getting giddy right now. You're like, I can do, I can do, I can hang with that. That's next weekend. The final weekend, we're going to do something for a local ministry here called Bambinos. And some of you are familiar with Bambinos, and uh, they just had a fundraiser, I think, last night. They're a great ministry because they try to, to fill a niche for a very expensive thing that a lot of times, you know, single moms have to deal with. Uh, you know, we have food assistance and things like that, but often there's some things that fall through the cracks. One of those, or a couple of those being diapers which are kind of expensive, you know, formula, uh, some, some, can, or, you know, some, some baby food, and maybe some wet ones, things like that. We're going to bless Bambinos with just a gift of a bunch of that. And we're going to put that there to them. In fact, we already talked to them. They're pretty excited about that. So that's going to be week four. So next weekend, we're going to be sorting some clothes. The last weekend of October, we're going to be gathering diapers. So bring some diapers in. Wouldn't that be great if we could help a mom who's deciding whether she's going to have food or she's going to have some diapers. She didn't have to make that decision. We could help one family. That's something, right? Something means everything. Because we want to say with, with, with vigor that we love our town. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us, your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Father, we, uh, we want to dream dreams for the people that you love. Father, help us, help us ask all the time, what if? Birth in us dreams and give us the, the grit to see them through and to work hard. Father, you've given us the resources and the skills and the provision to love. So increase our capacity, enlarge our heart to, to love other people, to love the least of these. And do this all in the name of Jesus, because we love our town and there are people in it that you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.